Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic, non-meds for ADHD, mindfulness, exercise, diet, and sleep. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made and we'll get into the show. Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So they say uh, people with ADHD struggle uh, with organization. In other words, they're disorganized. Um, sometimes there's evidence to the contrary. Uh, Brett Thornhill is a coach that reached out to me and had this clever idea of the ADHD non-med meds. And he did with them many years ago. We're re-releasing it right now because sometimes somebody just comes up with a way of articulating things um, in a way that really makes some sense uh, and put it in a context. So uh, we're going to roll this tape. Brett, welcome to the show. And thanks very much, Jeff. I appreciate you having me. I, um, it was great meeting you um, 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 a, a while back. And I, I really, when we started talking about this, I thought this was absolutely really brilliant because there's so much conversation uh, that's brought around um, ADHD stimulant medications. And you like to think of meds um, as an alternative to, to stimulant medications in a, a completely different light. So just tell us about what meds are to you. Well, you know, when the subject of meds as a treatment for ADHD comes up, you get everything from, you know, a downright evangelical support to conspiracy theories that would actually rival Area 51. So I really, you know, sometimes I don't know what all the fuss is about because I think there's another meds conversation to be had with respect to ADHD that's so often overshadowed by its much more com- uh, controversial sibling. And that's meds as in M-E-D-S. Mindfulness, exercise, diet, and sleep, which is the most natural 
uh, and the most kind of uh, um, straightforward approach to uh, to part of a treatment strategy for ADHD that there is. You're just, I, I love how you said it. It's another conversation to be had. And it's interesting to me because not a lot of people really look at it this way and have this conversation. From your perspective, why do you think that might be? Well, you know, I think it's everything from the fact that it seems kind of a little oversimplified. Um, you know, how can something be this simple be, be as effective as it is? Um, and also it's something that when, when you put the four together, I mean, these are kind of four natural treatments that are often talked about in isolation of one another. When you, put, when you put the four of them together and you come up with the acronym MEDS, of course, it kind of makes it, it can help make it a little more top of mind as mm-hmm. part of an overall treatment strategy for ADHD. I mean, as we all know, there's no magic bullet. Neither, you know, none of these are magic bullets in and of themselves or even combined. But it can certainly make up a huge part and an easily accessible part of, uh, of a great ADHD treatment strategy. And, and even, even if you do anything else, these are the fundamentals basis because if you're not getting these right, if, even if you do take stimulant medications, you don't really have a good foundation and rich for that to kind of stand on. So let's just kind of walk Absolutely. our way through each component of it, talk about what it is, why it's important, and kind of go from there. So let's, first of all, let's talk about mindfulness. Tell us about mindfulness from your perspective and why it's a part of the program. Well, you know, mindfulness is very topical right now. It seems like every second book you pick up or webinar or video you see online uh, is saying something about mindfulness. And there's a good reason for that. I, you know, I think mindfulness can be extremely powerful for individuals, whether impacted by ADHD or not. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that most people think mindfulness requires you to climb to the top of a mountain, wrap yourself in a blanket, and get lost in meditation for hours on end. So people see mindfulness as something you need to achieve as opposed to something you can actually create. Mindfulness can actually be much more simple than that. Mindfulness is, you know, it's, in its simplest form, is simply paying attention to that which you're paying attention to. And it's kind of being in the moment and um, kind of paying attention to the sensations, the feelings, the emotions, uh, not thinking about what was, not thinking about what is. What makes it so powerful for ADHD is that one of the challenges, obviously, for individuals with ADHD is, is that impulsivity, that inability to pause. And mindfulness, if practiced, and practice is really a great word to use for it. I mean, I, I, you know, mindfulness should be approached almost like a sport. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. if you practice mindfulness, you can get better at it. And when you get better at it, it gives you that go-to home base that you can always come back to in times of stress, you know, in those times when the lizard brain is starting to, to take control and you're losing that executive function ability. It always gives you something to return to. So it's, it's more, you know, it's less gathering the ability to be able to wipe everything else out of your mind and to banish all other thoughts, which is extremely difficult for individuals with ADHD, and more of a go-to place when those extraneous thoughts come into view, it gives you a place to center. It gives you a place to come back to. And I talk to my clients and my parents all the time about the idea of mindfulness being that ability to be able to really consider the consequences of what you're about to do as opposed to doing it and then having the afterthought. I, I love how you describe that uh, in, the, in the context of mindfulness. It's much, we're bringing some tangibility to it. It's, as you talked, it's something that you practice. I know when I'm yeah. working with, with my clients, I talk, I don't even use the word mindfulness. I actually talk about, let's do some attention exercises. And it might be as simple sure. as looking at an object for a period of time. And the idea is as you focus in on the object, you notice maybe an extraneous thought come to mind. And when you notice that, 
and it has nothing to do with the object, maybe something you had to do yesterday or something tomorrow, that you bring your focus back to the object. And the idea here is it's an exercise like shooting free throws for a basketball player because at the moment that you notice that your attention has wandered away and you bring it back, that's a moment of practice. And so so these attention exercises, I I cast them as just that because those they, they need to be more mindful of their attention to pause when it wanders away from what their intention is to bring it back. And, you know, Brad, I think I'm saying exactly the same thing that you are with, with different words. And in the context yeah. we've described, we know from all the experts that we've interviewed for a fact that if you change what you pay attention to over a period of time, the brain physically changes. And I think this mindfulness Absolutely. piece often gets looked over because it's, it, most people, as, they think it's that Zen-like thing or as you can, you know, going to the top of a mountain, wrapping themselves in a, in a blanket. But it's, it's actually a powerful exercise and I think really helpful for those with ADHD. Yeah, and it can be done anywhere and any time. I mean, it, you know, it, it's always accessible. And I think one of the reasons why breathing is so often used as a, a method for mindfulness is because breathing is always there. It's always a go-to opportunity for you. But I really like what you said about the idea of focusing on something. You know, I, I, uh, in a conversation a while ago about this very topic, I started, we started discussing the idea of when your mind goes in, because when we start to ruminate, as individuals with ADHD, mm-hmm. we'll ruminate, we'll worry, we'll, you know, a lot of our, our stress and our uh, um, disability comes from that kind of thinking about the abstract, thinking about things that oftentimes aren't even real telling ourselves mm-hmm. stories, you know, and yep. that's what rumination is. And when you start to think about something, if you can become conscious of the fact that you're starting to consider and think about something that's not real, and you can pivot your attention to something that's real, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be the shaver on your nightstand. But the point yep. is you focus on that. It's real. It's not abstract. Yep. It's very real. And when you focus on something that's real, then there's less room for that which is not real. Yep. And therefore, it can help a great deal with rumination. It's it's funny, as you describe this, I, I work with people in, in what we're talking about, and, and by doing these exercises over a period of time and practicing, it's almost like you become like the narrator of your life. It's like you're looking down at yourself and you're detached, which kind of helps you pause and helps you sit there and say, oh, there I am ruminating or there I am with a limiting belief. And, and when you notice that, it gives you the opportunity to, to change your course of action, which you wouldn't necessarily do if you were just working on automatic pilot. So I just, I just love this Absolutely. conversation, and I think it's, hopefully it's illuminating what this really is about because I think people get lost in mindfulness and this Zen-like spiritual type thing. So I need to go to a break, but first go ahead and finish your thought um, on this topic, and we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, no, I just I, I really like what you said about the, the idea of being a narrator, and it's something I do. It's an you know an exercise I do with my clients quite often. Is consider the idea of you know when there are stories that we're telling ourselves, and they're they're coming to me with issues and, and things they want to change about their life. How could you tell that same story from the third person perspective? Don't be a character in the story for a second. Repeat the story. Tell me the story again, but now it's, now tell it to me from the third person. And it's amazing because all of a sudden you see it with so much more objectivity. You see it with so much more clarity when you're the, the, you know, the third-person narrator as opposed to a character in the story. And so I think it's part of the reason why we're so, you know, so much better at giving other people advice than we are at kind of taking our own advice is because we have that objective lens. And when we become a character in the story, well, it's much more difficult to have that, that objectivity, obviously. I love how you said that. Um, I want to go to a break, come back, I want to look at the exercise component in a little bit more detail. And before we do, everybody, go check out uh, Brett's website, embraceyouradhd.ca. That's not, not .com, but 
embraceyouradhd.ca, and we'll be right back after these messages. Our secret word is Brett. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. We're here with Brett Thornhill, and we're talking about meds. But in classic um, Attention Talk Radio style, uh, we're paying attention to attention um, or paying attention to things differently, and not the traditional meds that you might think of in terms of taking a pill, but we're talking about uh, mindfulness, exercise, diet, and sleep. Uh, before the break, we had a very good in-depth conversation about mindfulness, and I think we broke it down into terms that people can understand a little bit and, and understand what the application is. Uh, Brett, next let's focus on the E, the exercise. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, you know, Jeff, I think it's well-documented, the impact that exercise can have on uh, on individuals with uh, with ADHD, just in terms of, of how it, first of all, how it is a way to kind of channel that energy that we often have, especially with the hyperactivity, if, if, uh, if that's an issue. Uh, and exercise is obviously beneficial for, again, people, whether or not they have ADHD. But, uh, um, it's, again, it's an accessible activity. It's easy to do. It doesn't have to mean going and, you know, sweating in a 60-minute uh, workout. Uh, it can be much more kind of accessible than that. And there are actual physiological impacts that exercise will have on the brain in terms of the production of neurotransmitters and uh, like dopamine and serotonin and norepinephrine, the very neurotransmitters and neurochemicals that are impacted um, the most greatly by ADHD. We did an interview with Dr. John Rady, who co-authored uh, Driven yeah. to Distraction and wrote the book Spark that speaks specifically about exercise. And I think it's like Chapter 6 he gets into ADHD. And, you know, there's many people that with uh, a, a fair amount of exercise um, find that they, they don't need stimulant medications or they can be substantially reduced, which I think really speaks mm-hmm. to the, the impact it has. Also, um, in Dr. Rady's book, he kind of, as he put, and I love this, if exercise could be put into a pill, it would be the drug of the century because it writes so many wrongs. And, and for me, it's probably the single greatest thing that you can do to help your ADHD, which clearly is a reason why it would be part of this whole meds formula. Yeah, absolutely. And it ties back. It ties into all the, all, all the others. All of these kind of tie into one another. And I know for myself, you know, that the physical benefits of, of exercise are one thing, but then the mental I actually became aware of the, the mental benefit of exercise when I, I used to do a lot of mountain biking at one point. And when you're mountain biking, and my daughter who has ADHD says the same thing about rock climbing, when I was mountain biking, it forced me to kind of be in the moment. Yep. So it forced me to kind of abandon every, all, the, all the other thoughts, the extraneous thoughts that they had. So in addition to the physical benefits, in addition to the physiological benefits I got both from my body and my brain, it also helped me focus. It also helped me because if I didn't focus on you know, the path and on the, uh, on the route, 
then I was going to get into I was going to get into some yep. trouble, quite frankly. Um, so there are also those other benefits, you know. There there are opportunities for connectivity, uh, for social interaction, which can be an issue for individuals, especially kids with ADHD. You know, whether when they're playing team sports, um, there's there's opportunities for interaction between parents and children through exercise. Uh, you can kind of apply it as, in a secondary sense uh, to help with academics. I mean. It, Go out in the driveway, shoot some hoops with your, your son and, and, you know, quiz him on his biology exam. Uh, you know, you're getting some exercise. You're getting the benefits from a physiological standpoint. You have connectivity benefits, which are obviously very important. And you also get that opportunity to be able to focus on something that otherwise might be difficult to focus on. One of the things that underlines everything that you described that was brought to my attention to, 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 by Dr. Rady in my interview with him and Dr. Barkley, is um, when you exercise, particularly if you're doing something like tennis or martial arts or something like that, because you have the, you have the knowledge part of your brain where information is stored in the executive functioning area, the prefrontal cortex, is where you take that knowledge and you organize it, sequence it, and arrange it. And if you're going mm-hmm. to go out there and you're going to play a game like tennis, tennis or martial arts or something like that, it's actually an, ex- an executive functioning exercise because you're actually having to take that stuff, organizing and sequencing, which is building that muscle in a way, just like we talked a little bit earlier about um, mindfulness, is it's an exercise to, to work through that stuff. So that's why play is such a big part um, of child development because it's, it's, it's the exercising of the executive functioning. And running... A straight line on a treadmill certainly wouldn't do that, but some of this, these other things that you would do engage both the physiological endorphin side, but also the exercise of the executive function, which means why it should be a part of your meds formula, uh, which totally makes some sense. So um, yeah. talk, talk to me a little bit about diet. How does that play in here? So diet, uh, again, you know, again, to tie it back into, uh, into the others, I mean, you know, diet can have an incredible impact on your energy levels. So mm-hmm. if you're going to exercise, for example, then diet is going to play a crucial role in that. And just setting yourself self up for the day. When you start your day out and uh, you're going to need energy for the day, obviously, energy for your, your mind as well as your body, um, you know, focusing on things like, like proteins and complex carbohydrates as opposed to simple carbohydrates, which are going to give you that initial energy boost, and then you're going to have the crash on the other side of that. And then what do you do? But you go and you snack on, you know, you grab a Danish, you grab something else that's going to give you that huge energy rush for a few moments, and then you're going to be down. So it's like a roller coaster ride all day long. Um, so that can have a huge impact. And one aspect of diet that I think often gets overlooked is hydration. Mm-hmm. We all know how important hydration is to the function of the brain. And yet it's something that we don't often pay a lot of attention to. And even when we think about diet, we talk about proteins, we talk about supplements, we talk about omega-3 fatty acids, we talk about uh, complex and simple carbohydrates. We don't often talk about hydration and water. And it can have a huge impact in, again, your energy levels, your ability to function, uh, and your ability from a physiological standpoint for your neurotransmitters to do their job, to do what it is that they're supposed to do. I mean, the brain does not function without water and without considerable amounts of water. You, you, you hit on something that I've been a big proponent in a little bit of different light is I, I, I always highlight hydration. And, and you're making a really good – I never really – 
put it in just the diet category by itself, I always talked about exercise, particularly those that take stimulants, because stimulants actually dehydrate you like coffee, and they suppress your urge to drink, and you've already got a taxed executive functioning system, so it's like the triple whammy that, you know, you're, you're struggling, you're taking, so you get dehydrated, and all of a sudden, you, you kind of hit a wall, but back in the diet arena, it is, it is really important because you want your brain running optimally. Um, earlier, I talked about proteins. Proteins are key because those are what the, the, body, the building blocks of making the neurotransmitters, and certainly the, sure. the medications or exercise in this place actually helps collect those neurotransmitters in the synaptic gap, which helps you kind of focus. So, uh, again, more power why diet is a very, very important part of this stuff, and if you want to manage your ADHD, as we say, the, you have the machine um, or the, the hardware of the computer it needs to be running optimally so the software can run optimally. If they're not working in harmony, then you're not going to be able to compute or, or uh, get to your goal. Um, we're going to kind of move on to sleep here in a second after break, but any other comments on diet, Brett? No, I mean, uh, just the fact that, you know, you, you, you hit on something really key there in terms of the dehydration that comes from stimulant medication and, and that sort of thing. The other thing that happens, of course, is appetite suppression as a result of stimulant medication, which can be very manageable uh, and often, you know, tends to wane after a while. But at the same time, that's another source of hydration that comes naturally through the food that yes. we eat. And when, we, you know, when our appetite is suppressed, then we're also not getting that hydration that comes from some of the food that we may be eating on, you know, on a regular basis and stuff. So it just points, again, to the really – the key element and, and the, the need to be uh, paying attention and to be mindful of, uh, to tie it back again, to uh, what it is to fuel, how we fuel ourselves. You said something I just want to illuminate because you're spot on. Most people don't realize that we get a lot of water from the food that we eat. Think of like mm -hmm. spaghetti noodles and rice. It absolutely absorbs all that stuff, and most people don't think of it, but it is a very, very large source of where we do get our water from, which most people don't really think of. So, Brett, you make a really good point there. Um, mm -hmm. Want to go to break, come back, and we'll talk about sleep. And then I want to kind of talk into like some of the trouble spots of all this stuff and actually kind of making it all happen. So uh, we're going to go to a break, but before we do, everybody, go check out uh, Brett's website, embraceyouradhd.ca. That's not, not .com, but embraceyouradhd.ca, and we'll be right back after these messages. Our secret word is Brett. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Brett Thornhill having a great conversation about uh, different kind of meds. Uh, we've talked about uh, mindfulness, exercise, and diet. Uh, talk to me about sleep. What's, uh, why is that a part of this, and why is it so important? Yeah, well, sleep, you know, Jeff, the, the, the one thing that's kind of surprising is that as much research has been done uh, concerning sleep, there's still a lot that's not really, you know, clearly understood about sleep and why our bodies need and exactly what happens when we sleep. But one thing that's very clear is that even though we usually experience sleep from a conscious perspective in our bodies, the research indicates that it's primarily our brain that requires to sleep in order to function properly. So when we don't sleep, and there are, there are you know, a variety of theories as to exactly what happens when we sleep. There's, uh, there are theories that, that talk about the acquisition and consolidation of memory um, and the knowledge that we have. So as we gain knowledge in our wakeful state, that knowledge is consolidated and it's kind of stored away and, uh, um, you know, and it, so it'll be there for us later when we want to retrieve it, of course. That process happens when we sleep. Um, sleep can be very important from an ADHD perspective for a, a number of reasons. Um, there's quite a bit of coexisting uh, sleep uh, conditions with individuals with ADHD, so it's a bit of a circular relationship. And then if you do take stimulant medication, for example, that can have a huge impact on your sleep. So focusing on your sleep, getting the right amount of sleep, and, you know, if you take an individual who has not, in military studies they've done this, you know, I, I saw something a while ago that says, you know, with the Navy SEALs, they deprive them of sleep for 120 hours. And um, they stop after 120 hours because you actually die after 120 hours without sleep. Uh-huh. Um, so, so sleep's extremely important from that perspective. And uh, without it, it's just even individuals who don't have ADHD will exhibit executive function yep type issues and executive function problems. So that points to how key it is, obviously. If you already have executive function problems, how much a lack of sleep will exacerbate yep. that. You know, we did an interview with Dr. Roberto Olivardia on the Tension Talk video a while ago, and and let me kind of back up for a second. You're exactly right. We don't know a whole – we don't know everything there is to know about what's happening in sleep, but I do – there is the restful side of your body, but I do I – do, believe it's very much about the brain but in real simple terms as a metaphor that we can understand why it's important particularly with ADHD is Dr. Olivardia says you know sleep is like defrag for your brain what defrag mm-hmm. is you go into your computer and hit defrag and, and you have information that's scattered all over the place and what it does is it goes and takes all that information and kind of puts it all back in place so it's easy to retrieve it's like imagine your house is and you come home from a trip and everything's all over the place. It's kind of like takes everything, does the, the, um, the laundry, puts up the dishes, and put everything back so that it's all organized and you can go retrieve that information when you want to. And if that stuff is all over the place um, in your brain and you don't have enough sleep, then you can't find what you need with an already taxed system, which is why sleep is really, 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 really important, at least in that little kind of context. And, and I totally get why it's a part of this whole meds discussion. And so it's... Um, it's 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 testing. Plus, there's the other side of it is the energy that you receive by recharging your batteries as a result of it. Um, that that, that definitely needs to be kind of pointed out. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it clear. It, you know, to talk about the de- the de- defrag. I mean, it clear. I always refer to it as clearing my RAM. You know, yep. it's, it's you know, I, I run out of capacity by the end of the day, and I kind of need to clear my RAM and clear my working memory and so forth, so that I have the capacity to get on with my day. You know, when I wake up the next Absolutely. morning. Absolutely. Well, so Brett, let's let's now shift here for a little bit. And let's, I mean, so often you go, re- you read, and a lot about what we're talking about. 
But I want to kind of get into what's the hard part, because these are kind of obvious things, and if they were really simple, then everybody out there with ADHD would have done it by now, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't be on this. But I know one of the things that, as I've studied this over a while, those with ADD struggle with repetitive and boring routine tasks. And for me, when you start to take a look at meditation that we described, exercise like running on a treadmill, um, you know, diet, uh, there's a certain amount of self-regulation for that. And, and as I described, the most boring moments of a person with ADHD today <laughs> is the time when their head is on the pillow before they go to sleep. And, and that, that level of methodical kind of boredom is really a trouble area for those with ADHD. And many times I think it's, it's the barrier between executing these things and not. Thoughts? Well, I, you know, you, you pointed to something really uh, poignant there, and that's the idea of us really disliking routine and disliking routine things. But I always say to my clients, and I found myself, that while I, I really dislike routine as an adjective, I'm a big fan of routine as a noun. <laughs> yeah. So I really in, I, I enjoy building routines, and building routines are very, very helpful in helping me do the things that I want to do throughout my day. So I do not enjoy mundane and routine things, but building a routine around these areas can help a great deal. So, for example, you know, sleep routines, uh, practicing proper sleep hygiene, establishing you know bedtime routines. You know, we do it. We do it for kids. We do it for toddlers. We do it for newborns, and we kind of forget it. We get to an age where we say, "Well, I guess we don't need to do this anymore." But really, uh, sleep hygiene is key uh, in terms of, of uh, creating a routine, creating a space, creating uh, you know a dedicated time when you sleep. The same around diet and exercise and, and mindfulness is if you can put these things into a routine, sometimes if you can add, you know, a secondary level of interest um, to some of these things as well. So, for example, exercise. I would, uh, there was a time when I would trick myself into biking because there was a particular podcast that I found incredibly interesting and incredibly stimulating. I would only give myself permission to listen to that podcast when I was biking. So it became, the motivation became about, I want to listen to the podcast, but I've kind of made a pact with myself or I maybe even tell my wife or, or tell a friend or whatever, I'm only going to do that when I get on the bike. So now I'm, I'm going to get on the bike, I'm going to get the benefit of exercise, but the motivation for the exercise, I found a secondary source. Uh, let me kind of pause here. So let me, okay, so we, if you've listened to the show, you've heard me talk about Dr. Barkley's executive function deficit disorder start, uh, construct, and he says, talk about, think about the brain as a two-layer system. You have the automatic brain, and you have the executive functioning brain, and the executive functioning brain is very, very effortful. You've got to step in, and you've got to override that automatic brain, which is what the whole self-regulation thing is all about. And yeah. the thing that, his metaphor is, think about the, the executive function brain for those with ADHD. It has a very small gas tank. If you use all that energy up, you can't use it for things that you need to do. And so it's really good to automate things so that it becomes sec second nature. And Brett, what I think you're really describing is, is, is if you can make some of these routines a habit, habitual, so that you're, you automatically do it and you don't have to think about it, it's easier for you to adhere to that, and it doesn't free up that your mind for, for – you can, you can use your gas on more important things. And, and I describe this when people travel – quite a bit, they get really disruptive because they now have to think about where everything is or how they brush their teeth, whereas home it's an automatic thing. Yeah. So I, think, I think you really, the more you can to put that routine together, really it is, it's, it's, the, it's better for you kind of long term. The other piece of it, and I think a lot in coaching is, is when you become the narrator 
of your of your brain or your life and kind of what's going on and you and you can begin to step out of this and begin to watch your brain and say you know my brain really likes this kind of podcast and it, that bicycle thing it's good for me but it's kind of boring so what I'm going to do is I'm going to beat my brain at its own game what I'm going to do is I'm going to say okay I can right. listen to the podcast as long as I'm riding on the bike and by narrating your brain and recognizing it again literally you're watching your own brain through the mindfulness in its own natural habitat, okay? And yeah. as you watch its normal behaviors, you say, hmm, this is how I'm going to beat it at its own game, which is another reason why mindfulness is so important. And so, to me, the one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is the epicenter of all these things that are definitely good for those with ADHD, but they don't do it is because it requires a level of habit to, to take place, and if you're going to do that, you need to beat your brain at its own game. So I do a lot of talking about ADHD and exercise because of my background. As I tell everybody, it's social, social, social. Did I tell you that it was social? Or there's got to be some type of stimulation where you're watching a podcast or watching the TV because in and of itself, it's just too difficult to sustain your attention. But if you do something else like listen to the podcast or do it with somebody, the podcast becomes primary and the exercise becomes secondary and you get it done. Absolutely. It's going back to beating your your brain and its own game, and I think that this metaphor that you've put together of, of meds just totally nails it, but to do it, you've got to watch your brain in its natural habitat, and you've got to, you've got to figure out a way to beat it its own game. So I, I just went on a little bit of a diatribe. I just want to give you an opportunity to either comment on that or, or share some other thoughts you might have. Well, yeah, no, I think, I think you make a really good point. I think, we're, you know, we're, we're both kind of saying the same thing, I guess, in different ways. But there are, you know, I found, and, and I've, I've read and I've heard, and the research tends to show that there are kind of four primary things that will engage an ADHD brain. There's interest, there's novelty, um, there's urgency, and um, there's competition. So when you can add one of these four elements to an element that does not motivate you, when you can kind of trick yourself, you do actually trick yourself. I mean, there's this, this kind of conscious effort to trick your, your brain in its own game. And one of the ways to do it is by adding one of these four elements to a task or an activity that doesn't currently contain one of those four elements. You can do that in a number of ways. I mean, those four uh, methods of engaging an ADHD brain, ADHD brain can have very kind of, you know, broad meanings and broad context. Competition, for example, can just as easily be considered as pride or as, you know, the, the, uh, the reluctance to let somebody else down. So, therefore, if you uh, make a pact with somebody, if you decide you're going to do something with someone, um, then you're probably more likely to do that activity because it's not just about you now, it's about somebody else. So, you've added a level of competition to that. You, 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 I, I love what you said. Absolutely love it. I, I, I want to do a counterbalance on that because there's another thing we do. I talk a lot about attentional blindness. And when you were talking about competition a second ago, that's me all over the place. The other side is some of us with ADHD struggle. They, they're paralyzed in the face of competition, in which case I suggest that you take a look at non-competitive sports like uh, maybe uh, the martial arts, um, hiking, those types of things where it's not as competitive and then you, you, you take the concept that you had and you throw something else like maybe I'll do, do martial arts with my kid or my wife or, you know, I, or a friend or um, uh, I'll do it with an instructor, that type of a thing. Again, you're, you're, you're beating your brain in its own game, but you actually have to sit there and say, Sometimes get rid of all those labels of what you want to think it is and kind of watch what's happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of this. And, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, and, and, and a lot of my clients, you know, the vast majority of them, when I talk about competition, most of them are not competitive by nature. A lot of them are not competitive by nature. Um, particularly when you get in the, uh, the primarily inattentive uh, individuals, uh -huh. they don't yep. have that competition drive. 
But yep. if I start asking them about their pride and their internal competition and they're, they're, they're striving, you know, to do the very best they can and the black and white thinking, all of these things can be kind of molded into a form of competition yep. uh, if you broaden your definition of what competition can be. Absolutely. Um, anything to be said that hasn't been said? I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, where the power of this, I guess, model comes in is in the idea of, first of all, being able to be a little more conscious of these four crucial elements when you put them together into the acronym. Um, the fact that ADHD meds, the traditional ADHD meds in terms of stimulants is always talked about and always top of mind. When you can add meds from another angle and from another perspective and use that acronym to talk about these four very crucial elements of things outside the stimulant medication and the medical treatment, I think that's useful. And there's also a way to tie each one of these four back into one another. I mean, you know, mindfulness yep. can be created through exercise. Diet is crucial to exercise. And sleep is, is uh, affected by both exercise and by diet. So all four of these tie together really nicely in a very natural way. And it just so happens that the acronym works very, very well. And, you know, something I, I, as you began to talk, you know, everybody – we're both ADHD coaches. I call myself an attention coach because I think that's what I'm. What we, we're coaching at the end of the day, and that notion of watching your brain in its natural habitat and beating it in its own game is kind of what we do. Which is what I think the best way to describe the coaching paradigm. It's not you're broken, you're not you're fixed. Just like you know, absolutely. Name a professional athlete that doesn't have a coach. But what we do is we try to sit there and say, okay, listen, let's try to figure out a way to make this thing happen. And it's not so much that you just need to go try harder. It's maybe oh, maybe you need to listen to a podcast. Maybe you need to go. Um, 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 do it with somebody else. Uh, maybe you need to try yeah. chopping wood as a form of exercising, or ultimate frisbee, or um, backpacking, hiking. It's that it's that open the mind and brainstorming a little bit to try to figure out those things that kind of work for you. Again, again, for you to beat your brain at its own game after watching it in its natural habitat. And I think that that goes back to the beginning of it, which is why mindfulness is so important. Is is to be able to watch that it improves self observation and your ability to self regulate. Epicenter of all that. So. Brett, yeah, you need I, to get outside yourself. That's the, that's the key, I think, is being able to get out your, outside yourself and kind of you know look at your your activities and look at your life and and uh, look at your motivation and your attention and all that stuff from again that third party pers- perspective. That that can be incredibly powerful here. Absolutely, very well said. And with that, we'll wrap it all up. Uh, Brett, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank Everybody, you so much. Pleasure. Go out and check out his website at embraceyouradhd.ca. And with that, catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.